You're listening to the Inner Freedom Initiative, and this is Emily Funderburg, a licensed counselor. I am in the freedom business, helping people get set free from the emotional bondage and baggage they carry around with them each and every day. We're on a journey to be able to break the chains of different areas of our life that are holding you back from finding and seeking freedom. Let's get started with the topic we have today. We're in part two of our series, Finding God in a Marital Crisis, today. Thanks for joining us as we hit on the topic of pure chaos today. We're looking at the chaos that erupts in our home when we have a crisis situation that we're in the middle of, and I'm going to help give you some direction and guidance for how to go from a mindset of chaos to an understanding of cleansing. That when we're in the middle of crisis, we tend to only think we have one option and the option is run, right? When a fire is right in front of us, our instincts say run. And the same holds true in your marriage that when crisis comes up, our instincts say run away, run far away. But the hard part is that most of you will get into an experience, a mental experience, where you begin asking yourself, how far would I have to run to escape the heat from these flames? How far would I have to run? And as you're packing your bags and wondering, the only way to escape the chaos is to run from the chaos and you recognize I can't run far enough. I might want to try and deal with what's in front of me. And I hope that you do gain a sense of clarity when you begin to see that cleansing is possible from chaos. That pure cleansing can come from pure chaos. That pure chaos doesn't have to be the definition that you have as a label for the rest of your marriage. That this season doesn't have to define everything about your marriage. We're going to take bits and pieces as we talk about this topic from my book, Through the Storm, Helping Marriages Find Healing After Hurt. So if you don't have a copy yet, make sure you grab a copy after you're done listening to this episode today. In the book, we talk about three types of storms. And as a counselor, I tend to see these patterned storms pop up in most people's relationship. You will, if you haven't already, experience these three types of storms at some point of your marital relationship or with anyone in your life. If you even have a friend that you are in a friendship with for a long stretch of time, you will go through three tragedy transitional or sin storms together you will have an experience of these in your life tragedy storms are the storms that arise when unexpected things happen or take place you weren't prepared for them or you thought your life was going to go this way and it ended up going this way we had a sickness or an illness or something tragically erupted in our life that we weren't anticipating and it shook the very core of who we are tragedy happens with an illness tragedy happens with a pregnancy that doesn't go to full term Tragedy happens when a pregnancy doesn't take place at all and this road ends up being longer than we thought it was going to be to get there. Tragedy happens anytime you get to a place where things don't look the way you thought they were going to look and this is going to be a harder road than we had anticipated. A transitional storm is anytime you go through a major transition together as a family or as a marriage unit. A transition of a job going from one place to another. A transition from going 
from no children to having a house full of them, transitioning from having a house full of children to having none at all and becoming an empty nester, a transition in your career when you go from a college student to all of a sudden the responsibilities of getting to a position of a career and lots of responsibilities. So these transitional storms are going to happen in your life. And so far, you've seen that both tragedy and transitional storms, even though they might be some blessing in the overcoming, there's some hardships that take place in the chaos of the moment. The third storm I see is sin storms. Sin storms are the havoc that is created when people's weaknesses or when they give in to their sinful nature and that those decisions that they made begin to bleed consequences or hurt onto other people in their life. The decisions that we make, the weaknesses that we have, that we lean into, when they magnify and become a problem in our life, they're going to affect and hurt the people that we love and the people that love us. No matter what lies go through your head that say this isn't hurting anyone else, it is, it will. It will have an impact on everyone that is in your circle of influence. So do not underestimate these three storms in your life, tragedy, transitional, and sin storms. They will bring chaos. But chaos does not mean the end. Chaos does not mean the chapter is finished or the book is done. There can be cleansing. There can be renewal. There can be rebirth. And hope is on the horizon of chaos. But... And you know, there's always a but, but hope is on the horizon of chaos, but you also have to make choices out of chaos in order to head towards the direction of cleansing and not towards the direction of comfort in chaos. What comfort in chaos looks like is comfort in chaos is the couple who become so attuned and accustomed to chaos that they actually don't know how to survive or have a thriving relationship without it. They actually gain a sense of feeling reconnected every time they go through chaos, so much so that they almost recover from one chaotic situation and then a new one begins because they find comfort in chaos. Doesn't that sound exhausting? So if that's you today, I hope that you want to stop that cycle because If you get too comfortable in chaos, it'll be hard for you to have transformations in your life and instead you'll run in circles in your relationship. You can choose comfort in chaos or you can get to a place where you start making decisions today in your marriage, each one of you making decisions that say, I want us to head towards cleansing from this chaos and not comfort in it. Cleansing can happen in conjunction with repentance, that when you have a repentant heart, when you get to the place of humility, when you're starting to overcome your issues instead of letting your issues start to overtake you, you start to form this repentant heart where you want a transformation. You don't want to live like any like this anymore. You begin to feel the weight of your bad destructive decisions and you no longer want those to be the chains that you wear in your life. Comfort from chaos says that we get so comfortable wearing chains that we don't know how to fully run and exist and feel free without the bondage of the Um, chains in our life from the chaos. But people who want to break free from a lifestyle of chaos, from a relationship of chaos, are people that seek and head towards cleansing. 
Do not underestimate the transformation that can come from a repentant heart and in the middle of your chaos, in the middle of whatever chaos your marriage is in right now, know that repentance and a direction towards cleansing can get you out of this season. The other thing I want you to think about is that this season doesn't have to define you, even though I want to help you understand that it does. In the moment, it is, right? Your definition and your meaning and your understanding of the world around you, everything in your life becomes consumed with the chaos that you are presently in. Nothing makes sense outside of your chaos because your chaos doesn't make sense and you're trying your best every waking moment and most of the sleeping moments as well. You're trying to make sense of the chaos that doesn't make sense. And so this feels like your family's life sentence and you become so laser focused on the chaos that you don't see that life can have meaning and more can come than just what's in front of you in this season. So the thing I want you to walk away with today is we're uncovering that cleansing can happen out of chaos, that you don't have to choose comfort from chaos. You can find cleansing from chaos. The question you might be asking is how do I do that? How do I do that, Emily? I don't understand. I get it that I have to walk this path and not that path, but I don't know how to pick that foot up and head towards cleansing when my mind wants to take me towards destruction, run away, or there's nothing that can come out of this that's positive. To help you go down the other path and actually find God in a marital crisis, I want you to think of the difference between watching a movie in widescreen versus full screen. Before you watch a movie, you get to make the option. Do I want to watch this in widescreen or do I want to watch this in full screen? And today, I want you to start asking yourself the same question about your marriage. When you watch a movie in widescreen, you are choosing to stretch out the image and you get to see all of it, but it doesn't fit the screen. When you watch a movie in full screen, you're asking for the image to fit the screen and they have to make everything larger, which means you don't get to see some of the movie because it's cut out on the sides, but you get to see a movie in big picture. So you get to make a decision. You get to make a choice. Do I want to watch this movie and see it big or do I want to watch this movie and see it in its entirety in the widescreen with the stuff on the sides? In your marriage and in the middle of crisis or chaos, the same holds true, where your mind is going to go through a process of asking you, Emily, do you want to watch your life story right now in the middle of this crisis in widescreen version or full screen? And automatically, our instincts are going to lean us towards the direction of full screen. I want to watch the full screen version of my chaos. I want to see it big and bold. But here's what you need to know that when you make that decision, you're missing parts of the story. You're missing parts on the sides of the screen of your chaos. And so the benefit to watching your life story, your chaos in widescreen is that you get to see the ends. There's more to the story than what meets the eye. So it's important for us to watch our stories unfold when we're in the middle of crisis or chaos in widescreen and not full screen. How you do that is all in your thinking, all in the way that your mind thinks about the situations that are right presently before you. It's the difference between having a long-term objective with your thoughts over a short-term perspective. The long-term objective 
signifies hope. The things on the side of your widescreen movie that you're missing when you watch it in full screen are the pieces of hope on the edges. You need those pieces because you need to make decisions for your life that are based off of long-term objectives, the bigger picture, that this season doesn't have to fully define you because there's more to your life, there's more to your story, there's more of who you are than what this one particular season says about you and your marriage. If cleansing is possible from the chaos, then you need to see and watch and think in a perspective of widescreen versus full screen. Full screen forgets that there's hope. It forgets that there is hope on the horizon. It only sees what is presently happening. It sees the fire that is presently before you. It sees the sin. It sees the shame. It sees the regret. It sees whatever is right in front of you. And it says in your mind, this is all there is. And this is what we're going to make decisions based out of. You make decisions to stay or leave, stay or run away, to work through issues or hide from issues. You make decisions about your future based off of the version of the screen that you're staring at in your moments of chaos. So be mindful of are you living your life? Are you waking up each day right now in the middle of your chaos asking yourself, am I thinking with a long-term objective or a short-term perspective? So three examples of the ways of thinking in these different mindsets so that you can start to examine which one you're thinking. The first one is what's in front of me is all there is. What's in front of me is all there is. That's what a full screen edition of your episode of chaos looks like. It says what's in front of me is all there is. But the widescreen version, if you start to have a long-term objective, the long-term objective puts the thoughts in your head that says there's more to the story than what's in front of me. And on our quest to try to understand how do we find God in a marital crisis, the reason these words hold so true when we shift from short-term perspective to long-term objective is because God looked at me and you the same way, that in the middle of my chaos, in the middle of my ugliness, in the middle of my mess, in the middle of decisions that I've made that I regret, in places where I haven't been at my best, God still saw me. And instead of seeing the short-term perspective of what's in front of me is all there is and him giving up on me, In the middle of my ugly places, God looked at me with a long-term objective instead of a short-term perspective and said, she is worth my son coming and dying on a cross. She deserves my unconditional love that for some reason he saw worth and value in me when I didn't deserve it because God sees us with a long-term objective and not a short-term perspective. That truth, that way of thinking is how he views us and it's how we need to guide and direct the way we view and look at the world. There is more at work than what is right in front of us. And I hope that you find comfort today in seeing that if God looks at us this way, maybe you can begin to look at your spouse that way as well. Short-term perspective says what's in front of me is all there is, and it makes decisions off of the full screen image that's right in front of you. But the long-term objective has this widescreen mental thought process where it says there's more to the story than what's in front of me. I don't have the whole picture, and the picture isn't done or finished. There's hope in a long-term objective. 
than there is in the short-term perspective. We also don't have all the facts in a long-term objective, right? In a short-term perspective, we think that we have all the facts and we make decisions based off of what's in front of us, but a long-term objective sees beyond what's in front and it hopes and believes that God has something more at play. Ecclesiastes 11.5 says, As you do not know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in a mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. You don't need to understand in order to fully believe that hope can come on the horizon. When you're in the middle of chaos, chaos seeks to understand, but cleansing doesn't always need a full understanding. Transformation and reconciliation, understanding might come, understanding might not come, but you don't need to have understanding in order to have a long-term objective. Faith takes you from a place of short-term perspective and into long-term objective. So don't try to make understanding be your goal because God is at work in more ways than you can understand. Another example of short-term perspective versus long-term objective is that short-term says, in your mind, I am what this situation says about me. Because you're going to look for definition and meaning and understanding. You're going to try to understand who am I now that I'm processing this current chaos that our marriage, that our relationship is in the middle of. What does this situation say about me? And a short-term perspective is going to find its identity rooted in the chaos. And I hope you don't find your identity rooted in chaos or else your identity is going to be one hot mess. You know what I'm saying? Short-term perspective says, I am what this situation says about me. And I can, and long-term objective says, I am what God says about me. It has a different place that it roots and it finds its definition. That's what leads us on the path of cleansing and not get stuck in a place of comfort and chaos is we gain our sense of identity and definition through a different source. Long-term objective says, I am what God says about me. And how we find God in a marital crisis is in order for you to answer the question, I am what God says about me, you have to find the answer. You have to actually start opening that Bible to maybe for the first time in your life learning what is it that God says about me. You might not know. You might not have ever been taught or told. That might not be something you've conditioned to learn in your life. This season for you of chaos might be the first time that you actually start exploring the question, who is it that God says that I am? And I hope that you ask it. For others of you, you've been taught it all your life. You can sing songs about it. You have verses memorized about who God says you are. But for this season of chaos right now in your life, pure chaos gets you to the place of making it personal for the first time or for a renewed time in your life, that those things that you had heard about, sung about, read about, that your parents ingrained in you or a friend ingrained in your mind, that maybe in this season of chaos, in your path of repentance, you might for the first time be making those words of who God says you are personal. It might have a personal, intimate meaning in a way it never had before. 
So I pray that you go from a perspective of I am what this situation says about me and onto a posture of long-term thinking of I am what God says about me. Find out where it is that you're being rooted in where your identity comes from. In 1 John 4, 4, it says, You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. And for some of you, that might be just the verse that you hold on to for a while. One, because it calls you a dear child. And you might not have ever been called that before in your life, but God calls you a dear child. And he also gives us the comfort and the hope that He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So whatever sin, whatever decision, whatever regret, whatever shame, whatever thing in your life has been trying to grab a hold and overtake and overcome your heart, you can know that your train of thought, the way that you think and guides the decisions you make, which means that he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And the voice of God, of what God says about you, will help guide you towards a path of cleansing, whereas your thoughts of chaos are going to lead you down the road of anything that's been trying to grab a hold of your heart from the world is going to keep trying to pull you in that direction. So begin to start thinking that when your long-term objective becomes bigger than your short-term perspective, the voice in your head of who God says you are will start to become louder than the voices in your head that say, I am what this situation says about me. Because when you find comfort in chaos, you will become the situation you are in because you become chaos because comfort comes from chaos. Do you see the way that that thinking works? But when your long-term objective believes that I am what God says about me, then you direct your identification from that. That he who is in you becomes bigger than the things pulling you away from the world. Another example of short-term versus long-term is the thinking, nothing good can come of this. Nothing good can come of this. That is a short-term perspective. That's watching the full-screen version of the movie on the screen and saying, nothing good can come from this. But when you look at the widescreen version of the movie, good is coming from the sides. There's more to the story than what's presently in front of you. Good can come from this. From Isaiah 61.3, we see the example of beauty coming from ashes, that they're talking to the people of Zion and they're giving them some hope of what's to come. And so we see this hope that says to provide for those who grieve in Zion, give them a crown of beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning and a garment of praise in place of a spirit of despair. So they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. And when we have a long-term objective and we begin to see what is it that God sees in in us in our moments of despair and brokenness and in the middle of a pile of dirty ashes what does god offer us i want you to hear those promises that they were speaking over the people of zion i want you to hear those promises being lifted and offered to the people of you the people of your household the people residing under your roof your marriage your spouse i want you to feel this sense of hope of this scripture verse, Isaiah 61.3, being spoken over your relationship. 
that for the grief and the grieving that your family is going through, that God offers this promise as we walk towards a path of cleansing to give us a crown of beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and a garment of present praise in place of a spirit of despair. These things are offered for you. These promises are offered for us. So don't think that God leaves us desolate down a bad, ugly, awful path that we have created. He picks us up and he creates beauty from ashes. So when the short-term perspective says nothing good can come of this, scripture is full of good things coming from whatever you want to fill in the blank and it's in there. Good can come from it. Nothing is beyond what God is capable of of healing, providing restoration in, and actually creating something more beautiful than you can comprehend. I promise, even though I know, and I've been there before where those words just sound like someone who's being super positive and super encouraging, and I'm just clapping for you on the sidelines. And when I was in the middle of chaos and people would say those things to me, I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm glad that the sun shines over at your house, but it's not what it feels like over here. So I understand that right now for you, these are simply words, but when you begin to hear words enough times, I promise they will begin to feel hopeful. They will begin to feel like they're possible. And then one day you'll be sharing a story with someone else and they won't believe you either. Another one to hold on to for today is Isaiah 43, 19. It says, see, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. For some of you, that's exactly how your marriage feels. You feel like you're in the middle of a wasteland. You feel like there's no water in sight and you're going to die in this marital desert. But you can come out. There will be water that is provided Going through a season of cleansing can bring a beautiful harvest. So don't give up on your present circumstances because pure chaos is all around you does not mean pure chaos has to be the definition of your life and of this relational situation and circumstance that you are in the middle of. More can come from this. Another example I'll leave you with is just the simplicity of the laundry. That right now your life, your family can feel like a big, huge pile, mountain of dirty laundry. But for some reason, we end up cleaning the clothes and we all get to wear those clothes again, smelling fresh, smelling renewed. But before your clothes get clean, we have to go through the cleansing of doing the laundry. For some of you, your marriage needs a trip to the laundromat. You need some clean clothes. Everything you've been wearing is stinky, has a stench as if teenagers have worn your marital clothes and you guys need a refreshing, you need a renewing, you need to get out of the comfort of the chaos you've been in or the discomfort in the chaos and you need a cleansing. Seasons of chaos can bring seasons of cleansing. Cleansing works in every other area of our life and it doesn't have to stop when it comes to your marriage. Your marriage doesn't have to be the one thing that when that gets dirty, we end the relationship. 
that your marriage needs a process of cleansing through the seasons of chaos, just like any other area of your life. Don't give up too prematurely, friends. Focus on your thought process. Think about the wide screen over the full screen. Think about maintaining a long-term objective over a short-term perspective and find God in the middle of this marital crisis as you begin to see that he looks at you that way, that God looks at you and sees a long-term objective over the short-term perspective. And your relationship with God will grow through this because you have a perspective outside of this chaos that you wouldn't have had if you would have been stuck in the middle of it. Seek cleansing. Find cleansing. Look for truth. Dissect who it is that God says you are as you work towards coming out of a season of chaos. And I cannot wait to hear the stories that come from seeking cleansing over chaos and that we can share those stories with one another and lift each other up. This season is not your sentence. Find hope and seek life and freedom beyond your present pure chaos. I can't wait to continue our discussion as we look for finding ways that we can seek God in the middle of a marital crisis. This is Emily Funderburg. You've been listening to the Inner Freedom Initiative where we're breaking chains in our life and walking in freedom. I hope you were encouraged and inspired today to find an area of your life that just needs to be released so that you can find freedom. Subscribe to the podcast so that you can stay tuned with us and hear more just like this one we had today.